Proverbs chapter 20. We'll be in verse 8 in just a moment. While we were traveling back and forth to Oklahoma every weekend, which was a fun time, uh, we would often leave late after our evening service uh, at Mansville. We'd pick up dinner on our way home that Sunday evening, and, and Gainesville was the most convenient place to stop, and we'd stop there at a quick trip at Highway 82 to uh, make a pit stop, and there were several places there to get some food. But the problem was there was a Chick-fil-A there, and we love Chick-fil-A, right? God's chicken, right? Well, we would stop, but because it was Sunday evening, Chick-fil-A was always closed. <laughs> and I could feel the pain of Tim Hawkins' song where he says, kids, get in the van so we can go there today, but their stores are closed. Oh, I know, because it's Sunday. But according to a 2019 Business Insider article, business analysts have examined their method and have said that the decision to be closed on Sundays is actually a brilliant business decision. And the article lists several reasons why, practical reasons why, but Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy wrote the reason why, and I'm sure most of you or all of you know why they're closed on Sundays. Listen to what he wrote. Closing our business on Sunday, the Lord's Day, is our way of honoring God and showing our loyalty to Him. In Exodus chapter 20, God commanded the observance of the Sabbath day. And as we examine that this evening, I want us to think about several questions regarding the Sabbath. But before we jump into the passage and into the questions, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word and for the commands that you give us. Lord, we know that these commands are not there just because uh, they're arbitrary, but Lord, you have a special purpose for each one of these. And Lord, tonight as we look at this idea of Sabbath rest, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us why it is, why it's important, why you have placed it in the Ten Commandments. And Lord, that we would follow your commands with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, so that we can demonstrate our love for you in all those ways. pray in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. And we're just going to walk through this verse by verse for the most part. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day. Observe the Sabbath. Remember that God is giving the people of Israel these commands through Moses. And so far, we've looked at the first three commands. This command is the longest one in Exodus. Of all of the Ten Commandments, this one has the most space devoted to it. But I think it's probably the most misunderstood, even though it has the most detail given to it. There are some groups who make, take their understanding of the Sabbath and base their whole doctrine upon it. That They kick out some of the other things that we find in Scripture that we're going to look at tonight, and they make this a centerpiece. They seek to make this command a burden, but this command was not intended to be a burden. It was intended to be a blessing. So we began by asking, what is the Sabbath day? 
The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew verb that means to cease or to stop from action or to rest from action. And so the Sabbath day is a day of holy rest. And we'll talk more about that holy meaning in just a second. But the Sabbath is a day of rest. And God commanded the Israelites that they are to remember it and keep it holy. So what does it mean then to remember the Sabbath? Well, there's two aspects to remembering the Sabbath. The first is that of recall. This is what we think of when we hear the word remember. I remember something, tie the string around your finger so you don't forget. The command is to recall that God commanded this rest. And this is the meaning that's used of the word here in Exodus. But in the Deuteronomic account, Moses chose a different word to use there. And the word that he uses there that we translate as remember is the word to guard or to keep or to keep watch over just like a shepherd would keep a watch over his sheep. So God's command is for Israel to remember the Sabbath, not to forget it, not to let it slip their mind, but to guard it carefully as they would their, their flocks. And God was serious about this command. If you look over in Numbers chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, but in verses 32 through 36, we have this story. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, they found a man who was gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Those who found him gathering wood brought him to Moses. Aaron and the entire community, they placed him in custody, right? So he's already been arrested because it had not yet been decided what was to be done with him. Verse 35, then the Lord told Moses, this man is to be put to death. The entire community is to stone him outside the camp. So the entire community brought him outside the camp, and they stoned him to death as the Lord had commanded Moses. So the penalty for someone failing to keep the Sabbath is the same penalty as someone who kills somebody else. Exodus 35, verse 2. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath must be executed. So God takes this command seriously. Why did he take this command so seriously that death was the punishment for a failure to keep the Sabbath? Well, in remembering the Sabbath day appropriately, it was setting the Sabbath day aside as holy. So we turn now to the question of how do you keep the Sabbath holy? Look with me at the next two verses in Exodus 20. Verse 9. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now let's pause there, and we'll pick up in verse 10 in just a moment. But you're to rest for one day and labor for six, and the seventh day is a Sabbath to whom? To the Lord your God. So what does it mean to be holy? The central purpose of the Sabbath day was that it was to be set aside as a holy day, a day that was set apart for the Lord. And to be holy simply means to be dedicated to the Lord, to be set aside for his purposes. Think about this. The temple was just a building, but it was set aside as holy to be used for God's purposes. The utensils that were in the temple, were just pieces of wood and metal. But God set them apart 
for his use. They were used in his service. Holiness is not determined by some inherent quality, but it's determined based on a relationship that you have with the Lord. Holiness is about a relationship with God. And so to say that something or someone is holy, it's only holy when the Lord declares it to be holy. So scripture says that if you've accepted Christ, God has declared you holy. And why is that? Because if you've accepted Christ, you have a relationship with God the creator. You are holy because God declares you as holy because in Christ you have dedicated yourself to the Lord. Well, the same is true about the Sabbath. There's nothing inherently special about any other day of the week. Like they're all the same, same 24 hour period. But the Sabbath is holy because God declared the Sabbath to be holy. God is the Lord of the Sabbath. It belongs to him. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus tells us the same thing. In Mark 2, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a grain field on the Sabbath. The disciples were apparently hungry, so they reached out and began to pick some grain to eat. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and accused him of allowing his disciples to break the Sabbath laws. But listen to what Jesus responded to them in 2.28. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath is holy because it belongs to the Lord. And the command is given to Israel and is given to all of us to remember that it's holy, to keep it holy. And we keep the Sabbath holy by remembering who the Sabbath day belongs to, belongs to God. But don't all things belong to the Lord? Isn't he God over everything? Is not all things therefore holy? Well, no. Not necessarily, but yes, at the same time. Stay with me here. In ancient Jewish, ancient Israel life, there was no separation between secular and sacred. Everything was sacred to the Lord because it belonged to God and it shared his holiness. But there was something that had to be done to make them that way. So what would happen, would they, they would set apart a, a part of what they had and sanctify it to the Lord. And by sanctifying the part, they sanctified the whole. So by setting the one day apart, the rest of the days were being declared as also being holy. And here's what I tend to have a problem with. I tend to be an all-in or all-out kind of person. I either want to be completely, fully immersed in it, jump in with both feet, or I don't want to be part of it at all. And that tends to cause issues in my life because God called me to come to seminary in Texas. But then I was interim pastor of a church in Oklahoma. I can't be full-in either way. And now God's brought me here in a part-time position as a minister here. So I'm still in this tension of I can't be completely all in as I would like to be because there's just too many responsibilities, too many difficulties to make that happen. But I'm still a minister here. 
right? I was still on staff, still set apart. The fact that I have another job outside of here doesn't change that. And that's something I've had to struggle with. But the same idea is applied in Scripture over and over and over. A part will sanctify the whole. Think about this. The firstborn of Israel were to be given to God, to be dedicated to the Lord, and thereby sanctify the rest. The tribe of Levi was a substitute for that. If the tribe of Levi was set apart and consecrated to the Lord, that sanctified all of Israel. Even the first fruit of the harvest was to be given as a tithe to the Lord and thereby consecrating the rest of the harvest. The Sabbath belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to a man. And it is a reminder that if we set aside the one day for the Lord, it reminds us as we go throughout the rest of the week that each day belongs to the Lord. So we observe the Sabbath. Now there's some questions here that we need to look at. Understanding that the day belongs to the Lord, what makes that one day of the week different from every other day? Well, God makes it clear here. For six days, you should work. Right? So work's not a bad thing. God gave us work. It's a good thing to work. But on the seventh day, you should rest. You should stop working. God mandates a day of rest, not as a way to promote laziness, not as a way to promote idleness, but he does this because he knows what we need. He knows that we need rest. He knows our bodies. He created our bodies. He's seen how sin has damaged our bodies, and he understands that we need rest. And medically, if you don't take a rest every once in a while, you, you're going to take a rest, right? <laughs> You'll be forced to take a rest. There's going to be physical symptoms. There's going to be extra stress. There's going to be depression. There's going to be ulcers. There's going to be burnout. There's going to be heart attacks, maybe even hospitalization. Because if you don't stop and let your body rest, your body will wear out. I know I have a tendency to work and to work and to work and to work. And then I get sick and I can't keep going. I'm forced to stay home. And this is totally speculation here. But I do wonder, with the way our world has been, with the pace of the world, if this pandemic wasn't God saying, world as a whole, you need a Sabbath. You need to rest. You need to take a break. Because we were going so fast and moving and moving, and all of a sudden, everything came to a screeching halt. But I like the question that somebody posed. Are you going to stop joyfully or are you going to stop painfully? The Sabbath is a day that you stop your normal, everyday activities, your mundane work, and you spend it resting. But it's not just resting and being lazy. It's not just not doing anything. But rather, it is a day of finding rest in the Lord. It is not just about stopping what you're doing and, and doing something different, but it's about turning your eyes upon the Lord. It's by focusing on the worship of God and it's breaking the routine, everyday mundaneness of life to remember that the Lord is holy and to spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ and worship of the Creator. 
So as much as I may enjoy football and Sunday afternoon naps, that's not what the Sabbath is about. It's not about finding rest in ourselves. It's not about finding rest in other activities. It's about finding rest in the worship of our God. So who is to keep the Sabbath? Look at verse 10 in the last part there. The seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. And notice these categories here. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your gates. Now, many of you probably remember, to some extent, blue laws. I came at the tail end of those. Blue laws usually forbade regular work on Sunday, plus any buying, selling, traveling, public entertainment, or sports. Now, some of you go, wait a minute, I don't remember sports not being allowed on Sundays. The blue laws were established by the Puritans originally. But over time, they were loosened and loosened and loosened. And by the 21st century, most of them were rejected. Now, the nice thing about these laws was that they required every person in America to observe a weekly time of rest, whether they took it as a Sabbath or not. But God here basically gave Israel this blue law. Within Israel, everything was to shut down for the Sabbath. No one was to work. God specifies five groups here. First, he says, you, Israel, the people who are receiving the command, you are not to do any work. You are to stop, you are to focus on me, right? Pretty self-explanatory. But then he says, your sons and your daughters, that is your family, the people who live in your household, those who are under your care, your children. Parents, this means that God was requiring that the Sabbath would be enforced on their children, whether they liked it or not. Because guess what? Children don't know what's good for them. Just as we don't know what's good for us most of the time, and God has to tell us. Parents, our children need the Sabbath. Especially when you have a teenager who gets a job because they want to have some extra spending money to go do whatever it is they want to do. Notice the emphasis is constantly there on them and what they want to do. It's the parent's job to tell them, no, you're going to worship the Lord on the Sabbath. Why? Because you're my child, and it's my responsibility, according to Exodus, to get you in the Sabbath. So it wasn't just for the ones receiving it, but it's also for the rest of the family to remember the purpose of the Sabbath, to keep it holy, to rest in the Lord. But then he says, also, your male and your female servants, or your slaves, your version may say. So let me ask this question. Is it okay if I own my own business for me to, sh to take the day off but require my employees to work? Okay, you got it. I don't have to go on anymore. No. God makes it clear here. Chick-fil-A has it right. If you're going to own your own business... You need to shut down for your rest, but you also need to shut down for the rest of your employees. The Israelites were not to make their slaves work. They were to give them the Sabbath rest. 
freedom to go and to worship God. And in Deuteronomy 5's retelling, Moses really reiterates this command specifically in verse 14. He says, so that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. Okay, well, what about the animals? Why does he call the livestock? Why should they rest? They're just animals, right? Well, in the society of that day, animals were the primary means of doing work because there was no modern machinery. And so the idea here is that the slaves, the employees, couldn't work if they wanted to because the factory shut down. Okay, so God also cares about animals, and he wants to give them rest. But I think the main thing here is God is pointing out over and over, if you have domain over something, it's your responsibility to give them the opportunity to observe the Sabbath. The family, the workers, the workplace, all were to be shut down for this time of rest and worship. But there's one other group there, the resident alien. What about those people who are not Israelites? If, if someone's not a Christian, am I still required to make them take a Sabbath? Yes. If you have authority over them, then you are to have them take a Sabbath. The resident alien was the people who had moved into Jerusalem, but they didn't want to become Jews, or rather had moved into Israel, didn't want to become Israelites, but wanted to dwell among them. So what that means for us is if you have somebody who's staying at your house, and they're there on the Sabbath day, it doesn't matter what they say. They can either leave, or they can observe the Sabbath with you. Doesn't matter if they're Christian or not. Because it doesn't matter if they're part of you. They're a resident alien who's dwelling with you. Dwelling within your gates. They are to observe the Sabbath. So everyone over whom you have any kind of dominion is to observe the Sabbath day. Not just for the Israelites, but for everybody. Okay? So why should you keep the Sabbath? Aside from the fact that God said so, right? We, we don't do well with because I said so. We want to know the reason why. Well, in verse number 11 in Deuteron- or, sorry, Exodus chapter 20, we see the reason why. It says, For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. So the Sabbath day was actually established at creation for all people. Look at Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, and it says this. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all the work of creation. So for the first six days, God perfectly prepared the earth to be possessed by humankind. Right? He gave humanity dominion over the earth. He made sure it was perfectly balanced and hospitable to sustain human life. 
And Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 summarizes all the details of Genesis chapter 1 and says that he has completed it. The six days of creation were filled with all these amazing accomplishments and evidence of God's awesome, intelligent design. It was capped in the creation of the first man and the first woman in God's likeness. But God's creation wasn't finished after the six days. He still had one thing left that he was creating. Why did God rest on the seventh day? Was it because God was tired? Whew, I'm worn out. Listen to what Isaiah 40 and verse 28 says. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes weary, never becomes faint. There is no limit to his understanding. So was it because he was tired? No, he doesn't get tired. I think it was for two reasons. God paused to celebrate his work. He looked at all that he had done, all that he had created, and he said, what? It is very good. It is very good. He took time to glory in his work as he rested. But also, he created the Sabbath day. He rested as an example to us that we need rest. At creation, God established a time for us to rest from our labor, to have our spiritual needs met in the Lord. He created the seventh day to be a blessing for all who would follow his commands, who all who would follow his example, and he set the seventh day aside as blessed and declared it holy. Notice that again. He declared it to be holy. And so we follow God's command and God's example by remembering and resting each week because that is how God revealed that he wanted to be worshipped. He set it aside and revealed it to us. But the Sabbath was reiterated in God's deliverance. The Sabbath command we see repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, but this time God highlights the theme of freedom. The Israelites were Given freedom from slavery under the their ruler of Egypt, Pharaoh, God freed them from Pharaoh by bringing ten plagues upon Egypt. And the Pharaoh let them go. They left. And then Pharaoh decided, we're going to chase them down and bring them back. And so God then parted the waters of the Red Sea to allow them to walk across. So he says, remember, in Deuteronomy 5, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and I delivered you. But don't think that Moses is saying something different here in Deuteronomy than what he was saying in Exodus. Because look back at what Exodus chapter 1, or sorry, Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 says. Then the Lord spoke all these words, verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. In both passages, it's based on not just the creation, but on the freedom that God had given them as a secondary reason why to observe the Sabbath. So while God created, established the Sabbath at creation for all people, those who have been delivered by God should especially observe the Sabbath. 
The Sabbath was established by God as a day to rest, and not just to rest from our labors, but to rest in him. But the Israelite leaders did not understand the intent of the law. And they established many other Sabbath laws in an attempt to enforce the Sabbath law. And in so doing, they actually abused the commandment. In their attempt to keep it, they broke it. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus reminds us that God made the Sabbath for man, not man for the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath to meet the needs of people. And so when Jesus was going and he was healing people on the Sabbath, and the, the Pharisees came and said, you're breaking the law of the Sabbath. He said, no, I'm not. Because the reason for the Sabbath is to meet the human need. And if I'm healing someone, I'm meeting the human need. The purpose wasn't this mechanical observation, but it was a living word that came from the mouth of God for God's people to find rest in him. Listen to Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17. Paul writes, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come, and the substance is Christ. Because the Sabbath is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. Although the rest of the Sabbath was a, a constant reminder of God's rest, it anticipated the rest that would come to all who trust in Christ Jesus. According to Hebrews chapter 4, those who trust in Christ receive rest now in him. We rest in the obedience of Christ and in the fellowship that we have with God through him. We still live in anticipation, waiting for that final rest that is to come, that eternal rest that he brings to us when he comes back. But until then, we rest in Christ, and we rest weekly in the observance of the Sabbath day. Now, the Sabbath day is a bit of a misnomer for the Christian because in Christ, the law was fulfilled. In Christ, we find our rest but we still need that week of that daily week or that weekly day of rest. Get my words correct there. The early church decided we don't have to follow the law. We don't have to follow that command to observe it on the seventh day. Because in Christ the law was fulfilled, but they recognized the need for it. And so very early on, they began to observe a weekly day of rest and worship on Sunday. Why Sunday? Because that was when the resurrection took place. That was when Christ fulfilled the law in its entirety. So they celebrate each week on Sunday, the first day of the week, as the first fruit of the week setting it aside, sanctifying it to the Lord, and thereby sanctifying the rest of the days, waiting the day 
when Christ returns and gives us eternal rest. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And if you are in him, you can rest assured knowing that eternal rest is coming for you. Have you placed your faith and trust in him? Do you have that rest waiting for you? It's only if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And if you would like to do that tonight, I'll be waiting at the back. Dr. Spivey is available to meet with you. We'd love to talk with you. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to pray. If you would like to respond, Noah's going to come up and he and the band are going to lead us in the singing. And if you would like to make a decision for Christ, come to the back and we'd love to meet with you. Let's pray.